nothing special about being American. None of you can define for me what an American is. I am the nation. I was born on July 4th, 1776, and the Declaration of Independence is my birth certificate. The bloodlines of the world run in my veins because I offered freedom to the oppressed. I am many things and many people. I am the nation. I am 200 million living souls and the ghost of millions who have lived and died for me. I am Nathan Hale and Paul Revere. I stood at Lexington and fired the shot heard round the world. I'm Washington, Jefferson, Patrick Henry, and John Paul Jones, the Green Mountain Boys, Davy Crockett. Coming to you from the D-Tom Studios in the free state of Florida, sponsored by Maker's Mark Bourbon, this is Don't Tread America. Your host, the one and only Don Q. All right, how's everybody doing out there today? It is. December 29th, 2023. How's everybody doing out there today? It is Friday. All right. I know it's Friday. I know it's Friday, and I know I was supposed to be here yesterday. But hey, listen. It's my life, and I'll do what the fuck I want, sugar water. Wife was off yesterday. I was going to do a show, and she was like, hey, do a show if you want to do a show. I thought, no, babe, I'll spend the day with you. I'll do a show tomorrow when you got to work. That's the kind of guy I am. Wife first. You guys are second. Sorry. Anyway. <sighs> Still trying to get used to these new headphones, guys. So you just have to pardon me. I keep messing around with the sound. And I just uh, I want it to sound good. I strive on excellence. All right. So here we go today. Let's get to the business real quick, guys. If... Um, you are so inclined, please, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, please follow the show, number one. It doesn't cost you a penny. And number two, make sure you share this uh, with your friends, families, and people that just need to hear the things I'm saying. And then encourage them to also follow, like, subscribe, share, and all that stuff. And if you're listening to me on Apple or uh, Spotify, guys, if you could please, please hook a brother up with a five-star you're just going to help me out, and it doesn't cost you anything. You're not paying to listen to the show. You're already listening to it. Five star. Bam. You're just going to help me out. It doesn't cost you a penny. Now, if you are also so inclined to help me out financially, 
send money to P.O. Box. No, I'm joking. Uh, you <laughs> click the link that says DTOM Store. Check that out. We got hoodies. I got t-shirts. I got all sorts of stuff. I got whiskey glasses. And I'm telling you right now, guys, I'm not just saying this, and I know I say this every time, but I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you. I'm not just saying this because I want you to buy stuff. I'm saying this because I want you to buy stuff, right? No, but seriously, I've bought a t-shirt. I've bought a uh, sweatshirt. I just got a hoodie the other day. I bought a whiskey glass. I bought some stickers. It's good stuff. So I'm not just saying that for you to buy stuff. And the stuff, usually get it within a week. So as soon as you buy it, I see it. I can I can say, yes, let's go ahead and do this. I notify the the manufacturer of the stuff it's all in the Amer- in, in the america it's all in america that they make it's not like it's made over china i try to pick out the reason it costs a little bit more is because i try to use good t-shirts and i, I don't want you to have cheap crappy t-shirts where you wash them once or twice and they shrink or they fall apart or whatever so it's a good t-shirt so it costs a little bit more but it's trust me it's a good t-shirt and the sweatshirt i just got the other day um, I ordered before Christmas. It came Tuesday, I think it was. And uh, it's a nice heavy sweatshirt. So I wish I could get hats made. I mean, I can get hats made, but I personally like flex fit and stuff like that. And that's a whole nother entity. And the, the manufacturer I use doesn't use them, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so please, if you are so inclined, new year, new you, new t shirt, don't try it on America. You're helping me. You're helping the show. Like I said, the money's going right back into the show. I'm not putting any of this money in my pocket. Trust me. So if you guys could please help me out there. And if you are on social media, you can follow the show at Don't Tread on America on Facebook, Instagram, uh, True Social, and on the Ticker Talker, which I mainly just do drink videos. So if you ever want to learn how to make some kick-ass whiskey drinks, mostly is what I use. (laughs) Uh, Check me out there. You can follow the show. And... Yeah, if you're not on social media, also we're on the Twitter X machine at DTOM underscore 1775. And if you are not on social media, that's fine. You can check us out at DontTreadOnAmerica.com. From any of those situations, you can directly message me. You can email me. You can do whatever, um, er, whatever you want. You know, if it's something that I think is interesting and cool, I'll use it on the air. I'll give you full credit after I give myself all the credit in the world. (laughs) and likewise on the reviews if you go on apple and you leave a review plus the five star i will read that also and say hey here's from bob johnson he said we're awesome hey he said we suck you know whatever as long as i'm getting the five star i don't care what you say (laughs) all right on with one with the show all right so as 2023 comes to an end comes to a close What do you, or what do we, I should say, have to look forward to in 2024? Now, 2023 has been an interesting year. The year has seemed to have gone by pretty quick. But what do we have to look forward to? And that's the question that we all should be asking. And it's a question that a lot of people are asking because... You know, it's it's a question that's on everybody's mind, and 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 I think the consensus is that 2024 could be a dark day for this country. Mine's a little 
dark. I just feel a lot of concern that 2024 may be the year of a black swan event. This is a national security event with high impact that's very hard to predict. Um, there are a number of cons uh, concerns I have that factor into that. Not only this uh, sort of enduring heightened threat level that we're facing, uh, the wars in Israel, also Ukraine. And we're so divided in this country in ways that we haven't seen before. And I think that just creates fertile ground for our adversaries like North Korea, China, and Iran. And that's what... So we talked about a Black Swan event the other day. And it's, it's a term that's being used a lot more. Scarily. Scaringly? Scarily? A lot more. And when, when you start hearing certain terms and certain phrases and stuff being thrown around... It has to make you wonder what's what's going to happen now. That was um, Catherine, uh, what's her Harridge on uh, CBS. She used to be on Fox. Now she's a pretty good reporter. And when you have someone like this saying those things, you can't help but wonder what what is coming. Now, she says, we're more divided, we're more this, we're more that. And it's true. And I, and <laughs> I think this country, for the you know 250 years that it's been around, has obviously, as the population has increased and whatever, but I think especially, especially in the past, what, I'm going to say 16 years, Right, I think since since Obama's been in office, Trump, Biden, the the division of this country has grown exponentially, Expen ex you know a lot, <laughs> and and I, whether it's race, I've never seen in my fifty years of life, and I'm not even going to say fifty years of life because let's say the last thirty years of my life, I've never seen the division in this country the way it is whether you're republican democrat you're this you're that it's and i'm i'm sure back in the 50s and the 60s there was a lot of division between race and race hate and civil rights and all this stuff and i'm sure that happened obviously i wasn't alive and like in the 70s and early 80s i don't recall a lot of situations that did or didn't happen but in the past 30 years so you're talking, what, five, roughly five presidents? What, Bill? Uh, you had Clinton. You had uh, Bush. Obama. Yeah, five presidents. Obama, Trump, dipshit. Um, and the division's gotten worse and worse. Like, when Clinton was in office, you, you had division. You had Republican this and Democrat that. And we all know they're on the same team now. But back then, it seemed like, oh, there's Republicans, there's Democrats. Blah. And most of whatever was kind of funny. Right? And even with, with Bush, it was kind of like, eh. And then when Obama came in, it's like they turned the needle up on the, on the division of the country for whatever reason. And I really think... Everything that's happened in the past 16 years has been has been for us to become a divided country. I did a show just the other day, the divided states of America, because I think we are no longer united. And we'll get into that today as to why I feel that way and what I think 
the next year and a half, two years could we could be in store for. And I think it's going to stem a lot around the upcoming election. But we'll get into that in a minute. There's other things that are happening in this country, in this world, that, oddly enough, nobody's talking about. Now, it's not even just that everyone's on vacation, okay? Because, obviously, CNN and Fox and MSNBC and all those other networks, even though your main characters might be on vacation you're they're still reporting news right they're not they didn't shut down operations like you turn on fox and it's just a you know tri-bar line you know oh, we're out of business for the week they just have guest host in or whatever and i'm sure it's the same way on cnn and whatever but um the news doesn't seem as important <laughs> i'm not saying it isn't it just doesn't feel like it's as important as it normally is. And I don't know why that is. And one of the things that a lot of people are not talking about is this one item here. And this is going to cover three segments here, so just stick with me. So we've talked, and I'm sure you've heard on other shows about the BRICS nations. Now, we talked about the BRICS nations before it was cool. I literally have been talking about the BRICS for two years now. Seriously. And I'm not saying I'm the groundbreaker and I invented this and I dug it out of the scoop. Obviously, I saw the story somewhere and went with it. But, and it hit mainstream podcast or even mainstream news, but within the last year. Which means if I piss ant little Don here with the, you know, the dude with the full-time job and the part-time podcast that doesn't know his fucking dick from a hole in the ground can find this kind of stuff and I can tell you guys about it, and then a year later, more mainstream podcasts are talking about it. Then six months after that, bigger podcasts are talking about it. And then it's coming up on the news. Then you might want to, then people want to start paying attention. When I talk about it two years ago, who the fuck is this guy? What does he know? He's a dumbass fucking dude from Florida. What the hell does he know? He knows whiskey. And he's pouring another. Topping off the glass here. Hold on. Hold on. Give me a second. And, uh, <laughs> so what do I know? But I do. And what I do know is that this week I've had a bunch of stories break about bricks. Major U.S. banks predict the future of the U.S. dollar. So as 2023 comes to a close, the U.S. economy has started its long road to recovery. With interest rates hikes finally slowing, the Fed has remained optimistic that interest rates will see cuts next year as inflation of the U.S. dollar slows. We'll see. Despite ongoing threats from BRICS, with the BRICS block growing, as well as its mission for de-dollarization, the, US major, the major U.S. banks is uh, predicting the future of the U.S. dollar. So Bank of America predicts the U.S. dollar future versus or against the BRICS. So, Bank of America, one of the leading banks in the United States, remains optimistic for the U.S. economy and the future of the U.S. dollar against BRICS. Uh, in September, CA CEO Brian Mulholland, Mulholland? Mon Mon yeah, that guy, highlighted that the bank's financial strategists expected a soft landing for the U.S. economy rather than a recession. Now, with inflation slowing back under control, 
the optimistic optimism remains. Now, I'm going to read the story as it, as it's written. And the reason I say that is because this is obviously a CEO of a bank who has his ass to lose, right? And inflation, I guess, well, I don't want to get into it yet because I have something on that here in a minute. But inflation technically, and I'm you can't see me, but I'm using quotation marks, technically is slowing, but not really because it's not. <laughs> Just because it's 3% this month over... This month last year doesn't mean it's 3% overall. We talked about this before also. 17 is more the number in the grand scheme of things. And that number is not slowing. But we'll get to that here in a minute. <coughs> Additionally, BRICS has been adamant in the past that the biggest threat to U.S. dollar would be, the, would be on American so soil, not overseas. The U.S. dollar has been powerhouse currency for global trade for nearly a century. However, BRICS expansion has made things much more interesting in the battle between BRICS and the U.S. dollar, with more countries joining the side of ending the U.S. dollar's hold on the world. The threat is bigger than it was when Banks of C uh, Bank of America CEO made this original comment. And that was just in September. <laughs> so... Um, the BRICS alliance has also has a long-term goal to ditch the greenback and put forward their local currencies for trade. Therefore, the U.S. dollar will now remain under constant threat from the BRICS, who aim to uproot its status as a global reserve currency. So we kind of knew that, but here's the thing. <coughs> Excuse me. 130 nations <laughs> move toward CBDC. And that means the U.S. dollar is at, is at risk. Amid the greater de-dollarization plans for the BRICS block and overall di digitalization of finance, 130 nations. Let me see. There's a link here. Let me see what happens when I click the link. What happens? Oh, my God. I broke it. No, let's see. I'm, I'm not reading all the countries. So, well, let's just go back to where I was at. Scooby-dooby-doo. Cancel. Back. Back into the left. Okay, I can just read this story here. If I can move all this fucking shit out of my way. Okay, the majority of countries are now accelerating towards building their CBDC systems, and most of them are already nearing the finish line, according to new research. A report from the D.C.-based think tank, Atlantic Council, says that 130 countries representing 98% of the world's gross domestic product are exploring CBDCs up from only 35 countries that were considering this in May of 20. A new high of 64 nations are now in advanced phases of exploration, development, pilot, or launch of a CBDC system. These countries include 19 of the G20 nations. Well, let's see. If we're one of the countries in the G20, that means everybody else is against us. <laughs> The Atlantic Council says that the U.S. is something of an, uh, of an exception to the trend with the development of the retail CBDC currently stalled through the pro uh, progress is being made with a bank-to-bank -bank CBDC. However, other G7 banks, including the Bank of England and the Bank of Japan, are developing C CBDC prototypes and consulting the public 
and private sectors on privacy and financial stability issues. The U.S., however, is moving forward on a wholesale bank-to-bank CBDC. Since Russia's invasion of the Ukraine and the G7 sanctions response, wholesale CBDC developments have doubled. There are currently 12 cross-border wholesale CBDC projects. The report says that over 20 countries will begin taking steps to pilot their CBDCs this year. India and Brazil, both BRICS nations, plan to launch their system in 2024. Peter Gottler, president of Cato, not Cato with OJ, but just Cato Institute, recently issued a warning about the rise of CBDCs and their potential to both restrict freedom and give governments and central banks too much power. (coughs) We've been saying that the whole point, the whole point where you want to avoid, where we, we, me, you, and everyone listening to this want to avoid, and I don't care what country you're in, this isn't an American thing necessarily. Obviously, they want to devalue the U.S. dollar, but CBDCs are bad everywhere because once the government can control your currency, there's where the problems lie, okay? That's where they can start instituting um, carbon control, Um, what you eat, what you purchase, what you buy for your, you know, your car, your gas, your, your red meat, you know, those types of things. And, you know, we say that and people might roll their eyes, never happen. But I think at least in this country, and I don't know, I don't know how things are in other countries when it comes to like welfare or like food stamps or whatever. But I remember now, fortunately, even though I was very poor, we were very poor growing up. Not, I shouldn't say very poor like we lived in the streets or whatever. But I recall my parents not having a lot of money. And, you know, whatever, whatever. But I also never recalled that we were on food stamps. Now, I do recall other people being on food stamps. One of my first jobs I ever had was I worked for Albertsons grocery store which are far and few between now in florida but whatever um and people had these food stamps now back in the day and i say back in the day i'm not talking 100 years ago we're talking 30 something years ago you had a coupon book and i would assume you got one of these every month however it worked out (laughs) and it was almost like monopoly money in a way and, and this is how it was in Florida. I don't know about other states. I'm assuming probably the same or similar. But you had a you had a coupon book essentially with whatever your whatever your monthly dollar amount was, and you had ones, fives, tens. You know, I mean, it was literally like monopoly money. But you could still spend that on. Now, I think the stores could limit what you could what you could buy. Oh, these aren't. Uh, approved for a food stamp purchase, whatever. But in, I want to say probably the mid-90s, they moved towards a debit system, an EBT card. Now, I think I always thought initially it was to um, kind of turn the, the embarrassment factor off. Because I, I couldn't imagine having to use food stamps where someone else might be using a check or, or cash back in the day to buy their groceries, you were ripping out coupons out of a out of a coupon book. And I can imagine that would have been embarrassing. 
for for a lot of people. And um, you move to a, an EBT card, it just looks like, and this was during the the uprise of debit cards. So you might have had a debit card, say it was a Visa or MasterCard, whatever debit card, like you have now. Most people have these now. And, you know, I'm going to a grocery store, it's a $30, whatever. You use your debit card, PIN number, blah, 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 and then you get your stuff. So the EBT was similar to that. So people just assumed you were using an EBT or, a, you know, a debit card and it wasn't a, no bubbles, no troubles. <laughs> but with the EBT card, they could obviously control what you bought and what you what you didn't buy or what you couldn't buy. And um, it was almost like setting the stage for what's coming. Now you think, oh, Don, that was in mid-90s. You're talking this. That was 30 years ago. Okay, I've said this time and time again, guys. Nothing happens immediately. They have to build up to it. They have to slowly lull you into a sense of security. I know, I know it sounds crazy, but in this, and I'm assuming this is a worldwide thing. And the way all of these countries are going to, I want to say, convince you, but I'm just going to use the word fool us, you, me, whoever into this situation is by telling you, oh, we have to do that because it helps the country. It helps our dollar. It helps this. It helps that. When in all actuality, and another thing they'll do it on is safety, right? What are some of the things you see, and I'm basing this on the things I see in America, what do we see a lot of happening in this country? We see a lot of robberies. We see a lot of shoplifting. We see a lot of... uh, burglaries we see a lot of uh holdups and uh, purses getting stolen and wallets getting stolen and those types of things right well they'll they'll base it on a safety situation well just think if you commit to cbdc's you don't have to worry about carrying a wallet especially if you get this little microchip implanted you won't have to do anything you only have to carry id they can just scan your your barcode, they can scan your chip, you can, they can scan whatever, and you can buy whatever you need to buy, and you can identify yourself to the police or whoever you need to identify yourself to. It's going to be done under the, the guidance of convenience, safety, you don't have to worry about getting your wallet stolen, you don't have to worry about getting your credit card, your cash, or whatever stolen, because that won't exist. You're welcome. Now, you'll hear some people say, Oh, you should empty your bank account out. And the thing is, is like I've said, none of this is instant. This is not an instant situation. Now, it's not, it's not going to, or it's not an instant thing, but it will be an instant situation, if that makes any sense. What I mean by that is they're going to eventually get to a point where all of a sudden it is gone. You'll hear some people say you should empty your bank bank accounts out. But then... And, and Charlie Robinson actually brought this up the other day on his show where he said, you know, try not to keep any money in your bank. But in actuality, and he and he circled around to this, a lot of us have bank accounts. A lot of us have 
um, bill pay. You set up your bills, you pay them, you you know, and it, and it is what it is. It's easy for me to get on here and say, get away from banks and do this and do that. But you know as well as I do, much like I'm talking about convenience, the system has enabled us to go digital in the sense that even though technically we don't have a CBDC system, we kind of do. Because how many of you guys pay everything in cash? Now, some of you might be like, I do. I pay everything in cash. Okay. Maybe you do. But if you have a car payment or car insurance or electric bill or a mortgage or rent or even if you don't have credit cards... I'm just talking about basic, like you might go to the grocery store and pay cash, okay? And you might not have any credit cards, so you don't have any credit card bills. Good for you. And you might not even have a car payment because maybe you have an older car and you're like, I don't want a car payment, I'll just have this. Fine. I don't have a car payment either. I get it. But you do have car insurance because you have to. You more than likely have an electric bill unless you happen to be fortunate enough to live in the middle of nowhere and live off the grid and have solar panels and whatever you do cool but i would venture to guess that the majority of the people listening to this probably have an electric bill there's probably a good percentage of you that either pay a mortgage or rent and a lot of times you have to pay that bill chances are you can't roll to the mortgage company with a you know, whatever your mortgage, $1,000 and say, here's my mortgage payment. Usually it doesn't work like that. You have to do one of two things. Either you set up an online account where you go online and say, okay, I'm paying the mortgage. Bam. Right. Or you write them a check. Okay. I'm writing them a check. It's not the same thing, isn't it? Because checks aren't like they were 30 years ago. Like 30 years ago, you write a check and it take a couple of days for that thing to clear the bank. Right. Cause you'd write the check. You'd have to, let's say you're at the grocery store. You're buying groceries, write a check, 50 bucks, whatever. You know, it might not hit your account for a couple of days, depending, especially depending on when you wrote it. Like if you went to the to the grocery store, and trust me, when I was young, <laughs> a young parent, young married parent, um, you know, money was tight, right? And you learn how to play the system. So you might have wrote that, you might have went grocery shopping on, say, a, a Friday, <laughs> Or, you know, I think back in the day, I got paid on Thursdays, every other Thursday. So we might have went grocery shopping on like a Tuesday and knew that check wasn't clear to like Thursday, but I got paid. You know, or you'd float, you know, you'd like what they call it, floating a check, right? Well, nowadays, even now, if you were to go to a grocery store and write a check or Walmart or whatever and write a check, they run it as a debit. It gets scanned through their system and it gets run. So it's all it's like using a debit card. That is a central digital situation you might not wave your hand in front of a scanner but it's the same thing but let me get back to the story here but they have the potential to both restrict freedom and give government central banks too much power which means they can control what you buy what you do where you go who you see what you do period Gottler, who has been president and CEO of, of the Libertarian Think Tank since 2015, says CBDCs are a direct response to the rise of cryptocurrencies. So, let me read what he wrote here, because that's the end of the story. Cryptocurrencies also provide the ability to 
uh, transact outside the traditional finance sector with more privacy in response to popularity, blah, blah, blah. So this guy's obviously a cryptocurrency type thing. Now, you'll hear a lot, a lot of people talk about cryptocurrencies. And the thing that I don't understand is cryptocurrencies, much like CBDCs, are... I want to say fictitious. And I don't mean fictitious like they're fake, but there's it's you can't SF and T it. What is SFT? Anybody? Bueller? Bueller? I can't see, feel, or touch crypto or CBDC. I can see, feel, and touch a dollar bill. Now I'm not even gonna bank on the dollar bill because if the if the market goes to shit, that dollar bill ain't worth anything. And we've talked about this, if you recall. After World War I, in the mid-1920s, when Germany was going through what they called hyperinflation, and it was literally cheaper for them to burn their paper money to for warmth than it was to use that money to buy gas to warm their houses. And I fear, now, I don't I want to say we like America, but the quote-unquote good guys did that to Germany for punishment for World War One. So, did they deserve it? Yeah, I'm not saying they didn't. But I think the tables are trying to be trying to be turned onto us the same way that the Allies, the the West, did to Germany in the mid 1920s to teach them a lesson. Now, there's a lot of countries out there that do not like America. And I'd be curious to wonder, 130 countries, 98%. So you're only talking a handful of, I think there's 135 countries or something. I don't remember the exact number. But how many of those 130 countries do does this country, America, give aid to? Whether it's a million dollars, a billion dollars, whatever. I would venture a guess that it's a majority of that 130 countries, but yet those 130 countries are giving us the double tall man and saying, fuck you, America. We don't like you and we don't like your dollar, but we'll sure as hell take your dollar. That's the shit that I don't understand. If if I were president, (laughs) God forbid, I would tell those 130 countries to go fuck themselves. They're not getting another fucking penny from us. And if they go to this BRICS thing, we're going to tell them to go fucking pack sand and get your money from China or India or whoever else and see how well you do. Because if we in this country, if we stood tall and quit bowing down to all the bullshit and all the the wonderment of what other countries think and think and say and do, what are you going to do about it? Well, Don, you can't do that because then you'll have 130 countries against you. Okay, maybe, maybe. But that's the problem. We have 130 countries out there that are willing to go against our dollar. Now, is it, I, let's see, how can I talk out of both sides of my mouth? I kind of understand, because if you're any other country but America, you obviously feel some sort of way. Why is the American dollar so important versus our whatever and I get it and I don't know why that is I really I know I've read stories and I can tell you 
reasons, but I don't know why. Okay? And I've told you this story before. If you go to a lot of these other countries, and I'm talking like poorer countries. If you go to Southeast Asia, or you go to India, you go to some of these other countries, anywhere in Africa, and I'm not talking shit. It is what it is. And you use American currency versus their currency, you're going to be treated like a king. And, and I'm not just saying that because I think America is the best country in the in earth. It's the truth. And you could literally go into some of these countries with a, with a dollar bill. Not just the whole time a dollar bill, but let's say you're at a hotel and you're in, you're in, uh, the Southeast Asia somewhere and you're staying. And I'm not saying these are, you're staying in a mud shack. You're staying in developed countries for the most part. And you're staying at a hotel and wherever. And you give the bellboy a dollar for taking your bags to the room. That dude's going to love you. Now you do that here in this country, you go to New York and you give the bellboy a dollar. He's going to be like, that's a cheap motherfucker. Um, and I'm a cheap motherfucker. <laughs> I, I, I believe in the, I can carry my own damn bags, but there's a lot of hotels in this country that say, no, 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 we have to do it. Okay. That means I have to give you a tip. But anyway, as I, as I run my mouth, so let's continue on with the bricks. So Iran, Russia officially ditched the U S dollar for trade. Now you might be saying, okay, fuck them. Who cares? We don't care about Russia. We don't care about Iran. Okay, cool, fine, whatever. So, in what may well be a massive developer BRICS alliance, both Iran and Russia agreed to trade in local currencies, ditching the U.S. dollar. Indeed, Reuters reported that two nations have finalized a deal that will have a massive impact on their trade dealings. According to reports, both nations have agreed to abandon the greenback within bilateral trade agreements. Moreover, the agreement was reportedly finalized by the governors of both nations respective to central banks. Um, conversely, Iran is set to become one of the BRICS five new members in 2024. So, there's Mike there. As more of these countries, especially oil producing countries, when we talk about trade, well, what would Iran and, and Russia be trading? Who cares if they use our dollar? Well, the the late the least amount our dollar gets used amongst other countries when it comes to purchasing goods that's how you devalue our dollar because then our dollar doesn't become valuable to other countries it might be valuable to us and that's fine i mean it's not fine but it's it works for us here but if you try to go outside the country a lot of times a lot not all the time but a lot of times people that come from other countries okay and you might know this if you've, you've traveled wherever. But like we went to Canada. Um, I don't know. I think it was like five years ago. And uh, wife had never been to Niagara Falls. So we went to Niagara Falls. And I think at the time, I want to say an American dollar was like a versus a Canadian dollar was a dollar something dollar 40 dollar 50 i think so in essence that means if if i 
took a dollar bill and said, I need Canadian money, which you don't have to do that anymore, but if that's what you did, you would get a dollar fifty of their money. Okay. Retrospectively, if you come from Canada to America and you need American money, you see what I'm saying? You'd have to give a dollar fifty to get a dollar. How would you feel if you went to Canada or wherever and it cost you more to go there? And it was interesting. I, I don't know if I've told this story before, but real quick. We went to Canada. I booked the rooms. And I thought, <laughs> so in Niagara, New York, Niagara Falls, New York, and Niagara Falls, Canada, two different cities, obviously, two different countries. There's the same hotel. There's the Sheraton in New York, and there's the Sheraton in Canada, or Ottawa, uh, Ontario. And... um. I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> I was like, ah, this looks, that's nice. So, yeah, we'll just do this. And look at the price. It was whatever it was. Boom. I want to say, I think we stayed, let's see, it was Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I think we stayed four nights. And I want to say it was around $1,300, $1,200 for the, for the hotel. And uh, get the confirmation. I started looking at it. I'm like, son of a bitch. She's like, what? I fucking booked the hotel in Canada. She's like, so? Huh, huh. We don't have passports. <laughs> so we were fortunate enough, enough to get our passports, and it was no big deal. We flew into to Buffalo, rented a car, drove into Canada, passports, no problem. Now, back in the day, back when I was a kid, the last time I was in, went to Canada, we didn't need that. You didn't need a passport to go to Canada. Crazy. Um... But nonetheless, anyway, so got the room, whatever. And I could use my debit card up there. I didn't have to go get cash and, you know, whatever. And the hotel ended up costing me because it was 1200 whatever dollars in Canadian money. Even though it was the same price as the New York hotel. They were both 12 whatever, 1200 whatever dollars. The one in Canada was, the, the price was in Canadian money. So it ended up only costing me like, I don't remember the exact dollar amount, but it was a lot. It was 100, 200 bucks less than what I thought it was because I thought it was 1,200 whatever dollars. And I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> and we're going out to eat and it's like you eat, you get your bill and it's like, oh, 60 bucks, let's say. 60 bucks, Canadian money. I used my debit card and oh shit, it was only like 45 bucks or whatever. Anyway. Point being is this, how would you like it? Oh, it's 60 bucks. You use your debit card and it's 80 bucks. You see what I'm saying? And that's the kind of stuff that makes it important to, to this. It's, it's not going to mean a whole lot to us in this country, but a lot of our products, a lot of our products we get come from other countries. So if you think inflation is bad now, what do you think is going to be like when our dollar bill is half of whatever it costs for China or Vietnam or Canada or Mexico or wherever in the fuck we're getting our products from. You know what I'm saying? Now, the only good thing possibly would be if we say, well, we'll just stop buying from China and Mexico and whoever, wherever, whatever. We'll bring all those jobs back here. We'll make our own shit and then they'll have to buy from us. That's never going to happen under this regime so, we've got to figure out a way to stop the bricks. So, on 
to other news. Speaking of not having any money and inflation, which is slowing, grocery prices are set to shift again in 2024. Here's what to expect. If you're sick of being blindsided by inflating price tags at the grocery store, you're not alone. Volatile prices and frequent shortages made 2023 a a tough year for food shoppers, though through pandemic-era inflation eased slowly this year. Certain products still spiked in price, leaving families to improvise their weekly uh, shops, plus global conflicts and extreme weather events made for certain food prices to be more expensive. As New Year approaches, it's best to be prepared for whatever prices come your way. So... What grocery prices are expected to change? Some factors of permanent prices you see in your grocery aisle can be quite difficult to predict. Uh, but there's some indicators expert looks when calculating you might spend every day. Here's the thing. And I've told you this time and time again. I'm not going to dwell on this. You guys know. You guys go grocery shopping. You guys go to Walmart. And I'm not here preaching to you because we're all regular fucking people and we do this. And I got to assume this is like this worldwide. But... If if every month when they release the the inflation, whatever, for the previous month, if that number is a positive number, period, whether it's 1, 5, 10, 20, whatever that percentage number is, if it's a positive, just know it's higher than whatever the price was that year or that month the year before. And then if you look at what it was that year, that month last year, so if it was a 9% over the year before, you see what I'm saying? When you go to the grocery store, for example, we went grocery shopping yesterday, $170 at the grocery store, two bags, no, I'm joking. And it wasn't a full cart, you know, and I can't, I don't want to sit here and say, oh, I remember back when I was 30 years old, I spent 170 bucks and I would eat for a month. Cool. I get it. It's not 30 years ago. But three years ago, I'd spend 100 I would never spend 170 bucks at the grocery store because I never would buy that much food at one time. And that's my point is every month it's a little bit more expensive and it just keeps on going up and up where pretty soon <laughs> I don't buy a lot of soda. Okay. I'll, I'll buy literally, I buy a six pack a week. And that's my soda for the week. I drink one a day. That's like kind of my coffee because I don't drink coffee. So, and I know I probably shouldn't drink soda, but, you know, I need caffeine, so whatever. And those six-packs are, it's, a, you know, the, the bottles, and it's not even 20-ounce bottles, but like 16.9-ounce, whatever, are, what are they? I think at Walmart, because that's where I get them, they're four-something, five bucks, whatever, which... Is a lot, but technically it's cheaper than going to the, to the convenience store and buying it, right? And if, um, or, you know, I'll go to Publix or whatever. It's, oh, buy two, get two free, or buy one, get one free, or whatever. I'll do that because that breaks the price up. But if, if you were just, like, addicted to soda, like, you see people buying 12 packs of soda. I was in a store the other day, and I saw a 12 pack of fucking soda was 8 bucks. I was like, what the fuck? It's like, I I, I mean, come on. It, it's just ridiculous. You know, bags of chips are five and six, seven bucks a bag. P- 
peanuts or four or five bucks for a little can. You know, milk, eggs. You know, I don't have to tell you guys. You know this. And if every month it's 2%, 3%, a little bit higher, a little bit higher, a little bit higher. And then what what are the excuses? Like if you're buying food that's made and grown in America, why is it why is it constantly going up? I, I don't know. I don't know the answer. I really don't know. Is it wages? Is it I, I don't know. I, I know one thing that no matter what the inflation number is, over the three years that it's gone up seventeen, eighteen percent, our wages haven't gone up seventeen or eighteen percent on average. So, when's the dam going to break? So, now, this is more current news. Now, that was news just from the other couple of days ago. Stuff you've never heard about, probably, because, like I said, most of your maiden podcasters are on vacation. Most of your news people don't talk about bricks because, God forbid. Now, people are talking about this. The state of Maine has uh, kicked Trump off of the ballot just like Colorado did, and that's still in dispute. And just like Michigan tried to, which was overturned by their Supreme Court, uh, Maine has done that also. Now, um, their Secretary of State, uh, Bella, what's her name, Adrian or Shelley or whatever, Bellows, Sheena, Sheena Bellows, um, stripping... Trump from the ballot. I'm going to play her little uh, millennial talking points here real quick. Again, I am so mindful, and I, I said this in my decision, uh, that it is unprecedented. No secretary of state has ever deprived a presidential candidate of ballot access based on Section 3 of the 14th Amendment. But no presidential candidate has ever engaged in insurrection. And... None still haven't, because as far as I know, Trump has not been convicted, prosecuted, or even brought up on charges of an insurrection. So what is your reasoning other than your bullshit talking points? Now, fortunately, the Maine, in Maine, State Representative John Andrews signals to impeach Maine Secretary of State. Now, this is a person, Sheena Bellows, who was an electorate for Biden and Obama. She obviously has an agenda. And here's here's where your black swan events, and these are the things now I've talked about and you've heard other people talk about civil war and blah, 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 and what's coming. We talk about Iran and we talk about North Korea and we talk about what's going on in Israel, what's going on in Ukraine and all that stuff. No offense to anybody over there, Okay. But Iran, North Korea, Israel, uh, Gaza, Ukraine, Russia, China, Taiwan, fucking whoever, they are not our problem yet. Because what needs to happen for them to affect us in any way is for us, this, this country right here, to become broken. Okay? And I've preached about this. For so much that I'm almost tired of saying it because I feel like you guys might be tired of hearing it, but I, I feel like I also can't say it enough. But and I and this is why it's very important for for as much as whoever I am, for, for as much as whatever I know, 
It's so important for the the common folk, the regular people, the people like me and you to have these thoughts and have these ideas, even though I might not have a degree in uh, geopolitical science and all that bullshit. I have two eyes and I can see very clearly that the last time a president was pulled off of ballots in this country was in 1860, okay? And that was prior to Lincoln being uh, nominated or uh, elected president, which was also two years prior to the Civil War. So if you think that this is no big deal, ha-ha, look at Colorado, ha-ha, look at Michigan, look at Maine, and I told you this uh, two weeks ago when the Colorado thing happened. You think that it's not a big deal and these things are just going to go away. They're not because you're going to have more and more states that have Democratic leaders, such as Maine, such as whoever's going to be next, do the same fucking thing. And they're playing reindeer games as it gets closer to their election so that there's not enough time to overturn it. And it doesn't seem like it's a big deal. And I've heard the question, and I've had the question asked to me, well, can't they just write Trump's name in? Yes, they can, but a lot of people don't know that, and that's not the point. The point is this, that we talk about civil war, and we wonder who and what's going to be involved. And we talked about uh, Texas's, Texas, Texas's um, bid for succession from this country, and they're voting on it within their state in March when they do their elections say whatever you want about that let's assume that they vote for it let's assume that Texas wants to succeed okay that's not necessarily the problem because right now Texas feels some sort of way because of the border situations and everything and I get it okay what do you think happens like use we'll use Texas for an example And we're going to use 1860 for an example. Okay? You had states in this country in 1860 that voted for, or their secretary of states, or whoever made decisions to not have Lincoln on their ballots, which he was not on their ballots. Okay? Then he wins president of the United States. Okay, then what happens? Okay, he wants to abolish slavery. Okay, you have states in the South that don't want to abolish slavery. And and like I've said this before, a lot of people will tell you that the Civil War was fought because of slavery. And I guess in a roundabout way, yeah, that's kind of right, but that's not necessarily the reason. The reason was because those Southern states thought that the federal government was overstepping their bounds on making decisions for the states that the states should be able to make themselves. Therefore, they try to succeed from the union and so on and so forth. Now, fast forward to 2023. You have one state filing or voting, I should say, for a succession. If that passes, what happens next? Number one. Number two, you have states who are trying to kick an American citizen who's running for president off of a ballot for a bullshit reason 
that never happened. Okay? But Don, they stormed the Capitol. They did whatever. It, it's not an insurrection. Not one person in this country that was involved when January 6th, for all the way from Donald Trump down to Granny Johnson, not one of those people were tried or convicted or arrested for insurrection. They were tried, convicted, arrested for trespassing, unlawful assembly, and things like that, but not insurrection because that didn't happen. Contrary to what TikTok people and YouTube people and uh, CNN and MSNBC and people like that said, it did not happen. Okay? Period. But, as you have three states try to, so far, try to, it hasn't officially been kicked off the ballot. Michigan said, no, that's not happening. Um, Colorado's, that's going to the Supreme Court, and I'm assuming Maine will be right there with them. But as more and more states continue to do this, or try to do this, what happens now if Trump wins? Let's assume Trump wins in 2024 and he's named president. Okay? <laughs> now what happens? Okay, so you have Texas who's trying to succeed from the union, which whether Trump wins or loses, they might still go through. You know, because they might be saying, look, Trump wins, we don't necessarily have to succeed, but Trump's only going to be president for four years, and then who's in there? You know what I'm saying? So who's to say that if Trump wins, that <laughs> four years after the fact that some other jackass Democrat doesn't get in there and start doing the same stupid bullshit that Biden's doing, then Texas gets pissed off again, right? So Texas may still try to do it regardless of who's the president. But let's forget about Texas for a second. What if Trump wins and you've had Colorado and Michigan and Maine and California and Nevada and Montana and I'm just throwing states out. I'm not saying that they've done this yet. I know Cal, uh, California has thought about it, but Oregon, Washington, what if these states all say, we're kicking Trump off, we're kicking Trump off, we're kicking Trump off. What if, I can't imagine, but what if the Supreme Court says, God forbid, <laughs> God forbid, the Supreme Court says, yeah, I think Colorado's entitled to kick Trump off the ballot if they so choose. God forbid that happens. Watch. I'm not saying it will happen, and I can't imagine that it will. But if, and there's that small, <laughs> minute chance that if that happens, is it sort of like 1860 all over again? Is it a situation where these states successfully kick him off their ballot, but he still wins? Or even if they don't get him kicked off the ballot, but they feel some sort of way because they try to get him kicked off the ballot, and he wins. Now, does Colorado and Michigan and Maine and whoever else, because you know damn well there's going to be more states that do this. Well, then they say... Well, we don't want to be a part of this country. 
We don't want to be a part of this country with that man as president because we don't feel that what he's doing is right. And we don't feel that the Supreme Court has a decision to make our decisions for us. We're a state. We're the state of Colorado. And what we say goes fuck what the federal government says. Kind of like what South Carolina did in 1862. Okay. I know we're talking apples and oranges. Trump being president versus slavery, two different things. I get it, but the world is a different place now. Everyone got has to have to have their fucking participation trophy. We got to cry about stupid bullshit. So what if that happens? There's where your civil war happens. And it's not going to be the North versus the South. It's going to be state versus state. And it might be regions. You might have, you might have, the South, and what I mean by, and I'm using quotations, you can't see me, the South. You could have North, South, Georgia, North, South, Carolina, Georgia, Florida, uh, Alabama, Mississippi, because those are Republican, quote-unquote, red states that might feel some sort of way about the blue states, which happen to be more northern states. I'm just, I'm just saying. Will you see a divide in this country of states that say, we don't want Trump to be our president. That's why we're kicking him off our ballot. We don't feel that he's deserving to be president. And then he wins and they're going to be like, no, we don't want to be a part of this country. Then what happens? (sighs) Then, God forbid, we go to war with each other. Then Russia, China, North Korea, Iran. Then Then we're fighting us and them. And you're not going to know who your enemy is. So when I say that we need to quit fucking bullshitting around and we need to stop this, we need to stop it right now. We need to to be the grown, grown up in the room. Whatever they are trying to do, they're succeeding. Because what these people are doing are putting crazy ideas in people's heads, whether you're on the right or the left. And it's just causing a major, major divide. You want to know what the possible black swan event could be for 2024? I've been saying this. I think that the black swan event is going to coincide with the black swan event of 25, and it's going to be one major fuck, and we're all going to be fighting for our lives. Somehow or another. So, once again, all I can tell you is be as ready as you possibly can. Find a tribe. Find some friends. Don't trust your neighbors. Don't just assume you can trust your neighbors, I guess is a better way to put it. All right. What do I have here? I don't know because Twitter. Oh, yeah. So, and then, you know, it doesn't help when you're, when you're, uh, when your president has uh, these types of things to say. So just listen closely. I'm going to try and turn this up as loud as I can. So if it's legal, we'll do it. We'll do it. If it's not legal, we'll figure out how to change. So he says, if it's legal, we'll do it. If it's not legal, we'll figure out how to change the law. I mean, you have a sitting president who's saying these things. You have states of whatever trying to do i mean (laughs) but yet but yet trump is a threat to democracy i'm not saying trump is the is the number one i'm not saying i don't know who is i don't i really don't 
But I know that when Trump was running for president the first time, and he made the comment, oh, I'd have, I'd, you'd be in jail to Hillary, right? And he didn't do it because he knew it wasn't the right thing to do as far as jailing your opponents, right? But that's what these people are doing. I kind of want to see Trump win just to see what happens because I think no matter who wins, whether it's Trump or Biden or whoever, we're in for a fight. <laughs> Trust me when I tell you this, guys. I know I've been saying this. Now, Don, you've been saying it. Nothing's happened. Once again, nothing happens overnight. Remember that. All right. In closing, I'm just going to tell you this right here. And I've been saying this. This is how you can't trust whether they have a Republican or an R or a D next to their name because that really doesn't mean shit. Okay. This just broke today. In Ohio, the governor, Mike DeWine, vetoes House Bill 68. What is House Bill 68? Well, (sighs) Governor... DeWine on Friday struck down legislation that would have restricted the medical care of transgender minors and banned transgender girls from female sports. He's That was the bill to, to ban or to restrict medical care and ban transgender girls from female sports. In other words, the bill was to restrict minors from having transgender surgery Whatever your sex was, going into whatever sex, if you were under 18, they banned it. That was the bill. We're not going to allow that if you're a minor, regardless of what your parents want. And then also the bill banned guys that pretend to be girls playing in girls' sports. Okay? No, he vetoed that. So the House bill, which cleared the House and the Senate earlier this month would have prevented doctors from prescribing hormones, puberty blockers, or general reassignment surgery before patients turned 18. It also would have prohibited transgender girls and women from playing in female sports in high school and college. He says, were I to sign House Bill 68 or were House Bill 68 to become law, Ohio would be saying that uh, that the state, that the government knows better what is medically best for a child than two people who love the child most, their parents. So, I don't live in Ohio, but I urge the people that are listening to this that do live in Ohio, get this motherfucker out. Now, it cleared the House and the Senate earlier this month. I don't know what the votes were. I don't know how close the vote was, if it was a, a, a wide margin of victory. I don't know. But, just... Like in most cases, just because the governor vetoed it doesn't mean that the House, that they can't overturn it if they have the votes. So I guess that remains to be seen. But I have also seen more recently that necessarily some of these parents aren't doing what's best for their children. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to say that, but it's true. That if you... you, are a parent of a little boy or a girl. And I'm not even saying like a five-year-old, but let's say they're 13, okay? And little Johnny wants to become little Jenny. Or little Jenny wants to become little Johnny. Um, I personally don't believe it's okay for them to even pretend to be the other. But God forbid that it's okay for them to get, you know, 
reconstructive surgery or be on puberty blockers or whatever because you're going to ruin their lives because even though you the parent might think little Johnny's just trying to express himself and he wants to be Jenny even if you're so cucked as a parent that you believe that bullshit fine the fact of the matter is little Johnny might feel that way right now but little Johnny in 10 years might be saying what the fuck did I just do you know what I'm saying so why don't you let little Johnny become big Johnny, turn 18, and make that decision on his own? We know that 13, 12, 10, 11, 5-year-old kids shouldn't be making those decisions. Period. And if you have a Republican governor that can't see that, then... He or she needs to fucking go. Period. Alright guys, that is all I have for today. Remember guys, please, whatever podcast app you're listening to this on, please make sure you're following the show. If you're new, please make sure you're following and then make sure you share this with your friends, family, loved ones, people in Ohio. (laughs) And uh, like I said, if you want to help support the show, you can please, if you're on Apple or Spotify, give me a five-star rating if you feel I deserve one. If you don't, then I don't know what's wrong with you, but whatever. <laughs> if you're on Apple, also you can leave me a, a review. That'd be great. And you're helping the show without having to spend a penny. Now, if you want to help the show financially, go to the DTOM store. Check it out. I got a bunch of stuff on there. You can find some stuff for your husband, your wife, your little kids. I got stuffed animals on there. I got stuffed animals. Come on. Don't try to mark a bear. Come on. Let's go. <laughs> And uh, if you want to follow us on social media, we're on Facebook, Instagram, True Social, and the Ticker Talker, Don't Tread on America. And then on the Twitter X machine at DTOM underscore 1775. And we have a website, Don't Tread on America.com. From all those situations, you can find the DTOM store. You can talk to me. And you can share the show. <laughs> With that being said, guys, please have a safe and happy new year. New Year's Eve. Be careful. Be safe. If you drink, make a toast of the D-Tom show. Send me a picture. And I'll send you a picture of what I'm drinking. Because you know I will be. And uh, I will... I'm going to do another show this weekend. Um, I'm going to air it. I, I don't know. I'll probably air it Monday. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what the weekend brings me. Got family coming over and so on and so forth. But nonetheless, I, I'll get a show together. So you guys have a great day. Have a safe new year. Thank you for everything you have done for this show this year. It's been a great year for our show. Um, And I think I told you about this earlier in the year. But we've we've surpassed in one year downloads. In one year, what we did the first two years of doing the show. And I can't tell you how much I thank you guys for that. So let's, let's continue that trend. And hopefully we can double it and triple it and so on and so forth. But... It's with y'all's help that that will happen. So, you guys have a great rest of your day, great rest of your year, the two days that's left. And everyone be safe, and I'll talk to you again later. See ya.